Welcome to the Serve Asia podcast, where you'll hear conversations about sharing the good news of Jesus, East Asia, its people, and how you might fit in. This is the final episode of our Unexpected series. We've been talking to people about how the ideas they had about serving Jesus didn't turn out quite as they expected. Today, we chat to Sam about how even when everything seems to be coming together and working out against the odds, the best-made plans can still unravel. Sam shares how, even in all the uncertainty, God is still good and caring for his people as they seek to follow Jesus. I had a great time chatting to Sam and hope you will enjoy the conversation, learn from it and be encouraged by it. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. No problem. Pleasure to be here. We love to, to start the conversations on the Serve Asia podcast, getting to know our guests a little bit um, with some, some quick fire questions. Uh, so just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are and what you get up to in, in the day, that kind of thing? Sure, sure. So uh, my name's Sam. I'm married to Heather. And we've got three kids, uh, Evie, who's five, Leo, who's four, and Pippa, who is five months. We live near York, a little village just outside of York in God's own county. Um, and in terms of work, uh, I work for an assistance dog charity. So I help manage one of the centers for an assistance dog charity that works with deaf people. Fantastic. Interesting job. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And just a little bit by way of getting to know you some more. It's uh, it's Friday today as we record this episode of the podcast. So perhaps uh, from time to time, you might treat yourself to a Friday night uh, takeout. I'm not sure if you're that kind of family. Oh, yes, very much so. <laughs> if you do, uh, what menu are you reaching for? Okay, so um, big takeaway fan, big fan of Asian cuisine. Uh, and the house that we've moved to, we moved here over the summer and we are blessed by having a local Thai restaurant whose food is absolutely top notch. Uh, so if we're going to treat ourselves to a takeaway, it's normally Thai food uh, just from down the road from our local restaurant. What a blessing. Yeah, really, really good. <laughs> Very good beef massa man. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, heading off on holiday uh, is becoming a thing again now. Are you a relaxing by the beach man or a city break and sightseeing kind of guy? Um, well, I think there's been a bit of a shift in that. Uh, Pre-children, city breaks uh, were wonderful. Um, me and Heather had a lovely breakaway in Bruges and we've been to Paris and Barcelona. Um, now I'm very much drawn to a beach. Beach is free entertainment for children. Um, so I'm a big fan of beach holidays. We often go up to the Northumberland coast. So that's just north oh, of where we are here. So it's not it's not sunny by the beach, but it is vast expanses of sand and awesome waves. Um, so we, we really like the Northumberland coast. Fantastic. Yeah, as a dad of a, of a young boy, I definitely love the, the fact that you get that chance to, on the beach. Kids seem to be entertained endlessly uh, with that's basically it. nothing. That's it. It's perfect. Finally, just wondering, uh, is there a, a book or a song that you've been enjoying recently, maybe a book that you finished or, or something that you've been yeah, have playing in the car? Yeah, um, a book or a song. I have been reading a book. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'm a mm. big fan of podcast listening. 
um, including Surveysia. Uh, the something I've been listening to or reading recently is a book called Rediscover Church, yeah. um, which is all about looking at the importance of church, which I think God's trying to tell me something because I was listening to a podcast on the same theme. Our church has just started a sermon series on Ephesians and the importance of the church. Mm. And I'd recently bought this book. So all these things are coalescing. I think <laughs> God's trying to teach me the importance of the priority of gathering together as his people regularly. So uh, that's been really challenging and encouraging. Great. Fantastic. And after the year we've had of so much disruption to church life, a great thing yeah. to be thinking about again. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, we'll get the details uh, for the book from you at the end and we'll make sure that they're in the in the show notes so people can go and check that out. But thanks for sharing that with us. It sounds great. All right. Sam, you're with us today um, as, as part of the, the Unexpected series where we're digging into people's uh, lives and adventures in cross-cultural work and how perhaps things turned out very differently uh, from they expected. And I think, interestingly, your journey actually starts... Um, in an unexpected way, just in and of itself. Uh, I think it's fair to say you sort of never particularly saw yourself as someone who is going to move overseas to some far off land, didn't dream of becoming a full-time uh, Christian worker uh, in that sense. And yet a few years ago, uh, you and the family suddenly decided to think about relocating, uh, all of you, over to Thailand. I was just wondering if you could let us know how, how on earth did that come about? Well, you're exactly right. Never, never planned to live overseas. Always like the idea of traveling, never planned to be involved in any full-time ministry work or anything like that. Although really um, appreciated and uh, been inspired by people who, who have been and including friends of ours. Uh, and one, one couple who, who did exactly that were our friends, Luke and Alison, uh, the Blacker family. They, um, they were friends of Heather's while she was at university. So uh, Heather and Alison were prayer partners whilst they were studying at the University of Hull. Mm. Um, and so they got to know each other really well through that, became really close and good friends. Um, and we knew that Luke and Alison had a heart for the people of Thailand. And um, actually shortly after their time at university, Luke and Alison moved to Thailand and they were working out there. And this is early, early 2010s. So we were we would get updates from them. We would pray for them in their work that they were doing, working with disabled uh, adults and children mm. out in Thailand. They were out there for, for several years. And whilst they were there, they were working with uh, some orphanages and uh, daycare centers. And um, they met a boy uh, who's called Banya, which means wisdom in Thai. And he was born deaf and uh, he was an orphan. And through the course of them working with him, um, they really felt called to adoption, to adopt Banya to become part of their family. So long process, uh, Banya um, was adopted by them, became part of the, the Blacker family, so Luke, Allison and Banya. But the, the heart of Luke and Allison was to continue working in Thailand, but they wanted to have a better grounding. And so they returned to the UK with the aim of going back to Thailand in full-time ministry. They went to All Nations College um, to do some studies. Uh, they had a daughter, Anna, uh, during that time. And it was during a conversation, probably three years ago, uh, once their time at the All Nations was coming to an end, where over a cup of tea with Heather, Alison just casually dropped in that they were really wanting somebody to go alongside them to help with their first year's worth of language learning uh, out in Thailand with OMF. That was the organization they'd chosen to go out with. 
that they really needed to have somebody who could homeschool Banya. Okay. Now, Banya's deaf, so his primary means of communicating is through British Sign Language. And there wasn't a good fit. There didn't seem to be anybody who was going to be present in Thailand who knew British Sign Language. So the conversation went on and Alison reeled off a couple of the um, the needs, so the sort of people that they were looking for to fulfill this role for them, to enable them to go and do this mission work, which we we were so encouraged to hear them wanting to get involved in. And the criteria were uh, somebody with teaching experience, uh, someone who had familiarity with homeschooling and that sort of a system, mm-hmm. um, someone who was a committed Christian, uh, who they could get on with because they'd be working with, um, and somebody who knew British Sign Language. That's niche. That's very, I mean, it's very niche. It's very niche. And um, shockingly, at the end of this list, she said, so we were thinking about Sam, whether Sam and you guys would consider being that person. Um, so it happened over a cup of tea. It was not from our thinking. It wasn't from, a, we didn't have a special word other than this word from Alison over a cup of tea saying they had a they had a need. Uh, we'd been praying for them. And suddenly this need was put to us. And we thought, oh, right. Maybe God isn't just wanting us to pray about their needs, but maybe he's wanting us to answer their needs. So all of those niche areas are things I've had experience in in lecturing. I was homeschooled for a few years and I have been trained in British Sign Language for part of my my career working with deaf people. Wow. I mean, just an amazing, amazing way that that your your lives had already become intertwined um, before yeah. this. And, and yeah, as you say, you, no expectation that you'd be involved beyond um, supporting in, in prayer and, and being good friends. And yet just suddenly this realization, we need, we need someone who is basically just exactly you. And so how do you feel about that? So <laughs> that's how it was kind of put to us proper casually, which was awesome. Uh, so we just, we thought about you guys. And so what do you think? So we had a lot of stuff to think through. Mm. What at that moment, Heather comes back from this, from this cup of tea. Um, and I suppose probably unpack some of this with you. Um, what, what's your initial response to that? What, what questions did you have? Uh, wow was the first response. I had I had a lot of questions, but I guess the overwhelming sense that I had at that time was I wasn't sure what was happening with my work, where that was progressing. We had uh, family and friends that had traveled the world when they were our sort of age, and I felt a bit of a draw to do that. I thought, oh, I'm just stuck in the nine to five. I, I wonder if I'm ever going to get to to travel or have an experience like that. So the the conversation happened at a time where I was thinking, I wonder what the future holds for me for my family uh, in the in the near term. Are we gonna are we gonna get to do an adventure mm. or not? So then when that conversation came in, I thought, wow, if if this had happened at another time, I wouldn't have had all of this background feeling in terms of what's happening with work. Are we gonna ever get an adventure in before we think about more children? Um, so it came at a really opportune moment, just in terms of where I was at, in terms of my thinking. But then big questions about, okay, what does that mean? How long am I going to be good enough in that role? That was a big thing. Um, how on earth am I going? What am I going to say to work? How do I approach that as a conversation? Um, that I mean, it's out of the blue for me. It's really out of the blue for them. Mm. Um, so all of those sorts of things are swirling around for some time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's a big list of like most people I, th- I feel would have have those kind of questions uh, in this moment. This opportunity comes up 
okay, here's here's this chance, as you say, to have this crazy adventure and uh, mm-hmm. to, to take this this step of faith um, to to do something really different. Um, and yet, yeah, there's I guess a whole series of, of barriers in the way. Um, how did you start stepping over those? And I guess it took more than just yourself and, and Heather. There, there was more than just you guys as a family trying to think this through. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how, how did others come in and how did you start stepping through those those barriers? To be honest, one of the one of the big draws for me was the fact that the Blackers were going out with OMF. I remember when I was 14 being handed the biography of Hudson Taylor at a youth event and was just blown away by his story. He was a he was a hero of the faith for my for my nana. They'd spent some time out in Singapore, so they had all these sort of Singapore connections that we would talk through as kids. Um, so when I when they said that they were going out with OMF specifically, I thought, oh right, well I know about OMF, I know about Hudson Taylor. Okay, this is it's more things that seem to have been building to this moment. Um, we had to think about schooling. Evie was in terms of the time frames. The initial time frame we were looking at would mean that Evie wouldn't miss any school. So she would be. We could go away for the for the year that they needed us for their intense language learning out in mm-hmm. Central Thailand. And then we could actually start the term normally. So in terms of the education for the kids, that seemed to be a really nice fit. We thought, okay, there might be potential there. But to be honest, I thought, this is going to cost an awful lot of money. We are not the ideal people for this. And I guess what would be ideal would be a single person with not married, no children, who knows BSL, who can have all this time away. And that wasn't us, you know. For for me to be able to go and support them, my wife was going to go and my two young kids were going to come with me in tow. Um, <laughs> so we kind of knew that we weren't the ideal candidates in some way. And yet in other ways, we felt like we ticked everything off that list. And maybe God has been preparing us for for such a time as this, mm. like it would say in the book of Esther. So really, we, we prayed about it. We talked to our friends, our family, uh, and we took it to our church and uh people who have been with OMF, there's a really thorough interview process. And we kind of felt, okay, this is, these are all doors that God has to fling wide open. Um, and we're not sure how he's going to be able to do it in terms of timeframes, in terms of um, support, financial support, in terms of time off work for me. So they all look like closed doors to us, but we just, we could rest in the fact that if God wants us to go, he's going to open those doors. And we, what we were really careful about doing, so never had a massive draw to East Asia or to Thailand, despite having loads of friends who, when we said about this, they were like, Thailand, wow, Thailand's absolutely amazing. You could have a wonderful time. I thought, well, I'm not sure. Um, so there were all these doors that needed to be opened, but we just felt we don't want to be a Jonah. We don't want to hear God's call and see a pretty clear direction in terms of all of these things that seem to be happening and leading us to a point and us turn and run in the opposite direction mm. it might not be in the plan that we had in mind but it it was seeming more and more evident as time pressed pressed on that it was something that god was bringing about um and and that was massively reassuring for us it was reassuring that it wasn't an easy process to mm. get stuff prepared it wasn't an easy step of interview processes or raising support that um that would take time and effort and energy and actually an act of god to bring about and um, so every time that happened and a door was opened, we thought, wow, that's just another confirmation that this is this is what God's leading us to do for now. 
Brilliant. Yeah, great when when faced with those sort of impossible scenarios and you think the only way, the only way surely this can come about is if is if God goes before us uh, and, and hems us in in front and, and behind. Uh, mm. I suppose I, you, you've mentioned Hudson Taylor and I know this quote comes up a lot in in OMF and, and probably in, in wider circles in this kind of thing. In every great work, uh, first it is impossible, then it is difficult, then it is done. And I suppose you, you began to experience that as you, you get asked, hey, would you do this? And you think, well, I mean, it sounds exciting, but it's impossible for us to do mm. that, surely. Um, and, and slowly you, you saw God work um, and mm. impossible things become only difficult. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What, one, of the, one of the big challenges was uh, my work so we were coming up to a bit of a pinch point in terms of deadlines and developments that was all going to happen in the year 2020 and then I walked into the room and I and I just floated this as an idea uh, to the managers and said I think I'm I'm asking for some time off for a sabbatical um, I'd like to take a year out I explained the reasons why obviously doesn't land that well outside of Christian circles. I'm going with a mission organization to help a family learn a language so they can witness to the locals about the good news of Jesus. Uh, it's not it's not the normal reason why people ask for a sabbatical. And what was a real challenge for me was when I initially put that request in, it was denied. And I thought, okay, maybe this is one door that is going to remain firmly shut. And maybe God's taken us on this journey and it's been a journey of faith up until now, but maybe that's where this journey ends. Maybe mm. there was some value in, in us taking through that. And we had a lot of back and forth conversations. Um, me and Heather prayed and we thought about what our next steps was going to be. And we felt so convinced that God had, had opened so many doors up until this point that he was calling us to go and do this work over in Thailand. Um, that it would be right for me to hand in my notice if I couldn't have the time off. And looking back, I feel more frightened about the fact that I did this uh, now. Uh, I went in and, and I and I just had that conversation and said, look, if if it's not possible for me to have a certain amount of time off for a sabbatical, then I think I'll be hand, handing my notice in because this is something that I feel God is calling us to do. Mm. Um, and then I went home and we had a, a hairy evening at home wondering what the response was going to be, whether I'd scuppered the future. Um uh, and then I, it was the next day or a couple of days later, I got a phone call saying, your sabbatical's been granted. You can have the time off that you've you've previously requested. And, um, you know, we're really happy for you to go and really looking forward to you coming back. So that was another of these doors that I thought might be closing. Uh, but we were, we were, by this point, I guess we were pushing on the door to see whether it was a door that was going to open. And by God's grace, um, he did over and above what we were, what we were willing to do. Um, and that just felt like a real, again, just another confirmation. The the journey was just full of confirmations all the way, all the way through. Wow, fantastic! If you were to summarize, kind of the the big thing that all of this taught you as as a follower of Jesus, trying to learn more about who He is uh, and to appreciate the God of the Bible more, to to learn how to follow Him more faithfully. What do you think He has been teaching you through this process? so many lessons and I'd have a set and, and Heather would have a different set I'm sure and the kids themselves would have a different set um one verse that kept on coming back to to us as a family throughout this time was uh, is Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And it's really that God has prepared stuff for you to do in advance. And we just find out about it um, when he's ready to reveal it to us. And that's really the theme that kept on coming back to us is this wasn't on our radar, but this is this is part of God's plan from from a friendship at university through to my career working with people who are deaf and hard of hearing and my British Sign Language training to a year where I didn't have a job, but I got teaching experience. And the fact that I was homeschooled for a few years, it just felt like, okay, these are all things. This is a need. These are people who we love and we pray for and we support. And actually God is calling us to do that practically. So just the encouraging fact that God's got stuff for his people to do and um, and he will lead us into that. He's prepared it and it's good works that we can be busy doing. Yeah, amazing. And so encouraging, as you've hinted out there, that not only has he prepared the work, but he's prepared his workers. Um, and also he knows what he's giving you to do. And so even if you feel too small for it, yeah, that's that's your work that he is giving you. Um, and he knows and he knows how prepared you are or how unprepared you feel. So great yeah. encouragement. Mm. So so what what happens next? You've got the sabbatical sorted and you're through the, the interview process. OMF have seen fit to, to say, yeah, you guys are a good fit. You match this this need. The blackers are ready to go. Um, what what happens next? The, the the timing was uh, was amazing, uh, miraculous in itself. Uh, the thing about the timings for for what we were going out to do meant if if we got clearance and the ability to go to Thailand, but the blackers didn't, then we weren't we couldn't go because they weren't there for us to support, and vice versa, they couldn't do the work that they needed to do if we couldn't get the clearance to go at the same time. Um, but by God's grace, that all came in. We were all prepared to go, and we had our flights out to Singapore. Um, so before any long-term workers go out to work with OMF, they have a whole month at uh, the, the headquarters in Singapore where they have an orientation course just to prepare them for life in a, in a country in East Asia. And so we flew out together, both families, at February the 1st, 2020, landed into Singapore. We'd heard on the news that there was some, some virus that was doing the rounds um, but that was that was about as much notice as we took, uh, and we landed in in Singapore on February the first, and we started the orientation course. Um, my job during that time was to help with the kids zone, which is the kids work, um, and so I was there with Banya doing sign language interpreting for him for that whole month. How did you find Singapore? I think probably your first experience of East Asia is that right, Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's right. So um, our flight to Singapore was my first journey out of Europe um, and my first time going to East Asia. I guess the thing that hits you when you get off the plane, as always, is the heat and the humidity. And then we we were greeted there by some OMFers, which was amazing, and shown around Changi Airport, which is like a destination in yeah. itself. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, taken to uh, Singapore uh, headquarters and had a had our rooms all set up. I mean, one of the amazing things was we realized we were being cooked for and somebody was there who was going to help us with our laundry for the whole month of our orientation course. So it was amazing. And we felt so blessed to be there for that month. Um, and getting to know the the rest of the guys from around the world who are all going there to be uh, be prepared for the, the future years working in various countries in East Asia was 
I mean, a huge blessing. Still friends with these with these guys who are who are distributed in various countries. Um, getting to hear their testimonies about how God brought them to that place of of stepping out in faith and doing that work, um, and also hearing from the the workers there it was it was a massive time of blessing um, and something that we look back on really really fondly. Singapore was great, uh, great food. We loved going to the hawker centres. That was a treat. I had my birthday when we were out there in February, Amazing. and Evie Evie turned four when we were out there. So. Um, so that was great. We had a lovely time having celebrations with the team out there. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Singapore, as you say, I mean, you flagged up so many great things. And Changi Airport, yeah. If if anyone listening ever flies anywhere in the world, that means Singapore might be your stopover. Uh, it's worth checking out that airport. That might sound ridiculous, um, but really it is amazing. And uh, yeah, I've been to the to the RMF um Singapore Centre a number of times with work and it is as you say always inspiring this kind of crossroads where people are always coming and going um, and particularly during that orientation course time but I guess that's that's not really what you were what you were there um to do to have a, a, a lovely time in, in Singapore mm-hmm. uh, you were hoping to to head to Thailand uh, but as you've uh, alluded to already uh, there was this um this virus thing which everyone now knows as, as COVID-19 coronavirus beginning of 2020, perhaps, as you say, some rumblings in the news, um, but particularly in Asia, I guess, becoming a bigger and bigger deal, even quicker than it, than it was here. So what happens, what happens next for the Bennett family? We finished the, the, the month in Singapore. Um, by this point, you know, some COVID restrictions had, had come into force whilst we were in Singapore. So we flew from Singapore, short trip over to Thailand, uh, where we landed on the 1st of March landed into a kind of a form of lockdown uh, into Thailand. So we landed, we got greeted at the at the airport, we got driven to our home. Uh, so we lived just down a normal regular Thai street and they we got told by the the leading the leadership team out there that normally you'd be spending the whole time meeting all the various other workers who are out there spending a lot of time in the in the language center having group bible studies in person. But because you've just flown in from Singapore and there's there's concern about virus transmission, it's going to be good if for the first two weeks you don't visit the centre. You just stay in your house and we can probably arrange for you to travel between each other's houses and we'll arrange for people to come and see you as opposed to you going out. Um, so that was the first two weeks landing in Lotbury um, in central Thailand. Again, massive massively blessed by the team out there who would come and drop us food off um i had a walk down the street and got pointed out all the stalls and the time of day that it would be good to go and get food from them and the time of day you probably shouldn't because that food's been there for a long long time um (laughs) was given a a handbook about you know uh how to order things uh with uh, phonetically just try and do your local shop at the 7-eleven but in terms of the work, I was able to, it was a bit of our orientation. So the bulk of the time, I was, I was there to learn about how to, to care for my family, to, to, to live in Thailand, um, to get by, to do the shopping, how to get around, uh, how to use the Song Tao's, the local transport, and get a bicycle. Uh, mm-hmm. So we cycled around Central Lotbury, which was, which was fun. Uh, crossing eight lanes of traffic with toddler <laughs> children on the back. Oh, goodness. 
and cars pulling up beside you, winding down their window and grabbing hold of your children's cheeks and giving them a good old pinch because they think they're these pristine white dolls from the West. Uh, very interested in the Farang children. That's what we would have people shouting at us. Ah, oh, Farang, Farang, uh, which is their word for, for white Westerner. Um, so I was doing a bit with Banya during those two weeks, uh, obviously hanging out with him and the family, doing some lessons. But the, the homeschooling uh, didn't really take off because that was all based at the centre. And we okay. there was a bit of, we weren't, we didn't want to worry the local neighbours that we were flying in, in people from around the world when there was uh, concern about viral transmission. So we basically stayed in our homes for the first couple of weeks. Then we had um, a week of normality where we were going to the centre. Uh, me and Banya had our own little room that we had um, where we would do our lessons. We did some bike riding lessons for Banya so he could get around the town. Great. So it wasn't just maths and English, but it was how to pay for stuff at the 7-Eleven, count out his tag bat, how to ride his bike. Um, so really great times. But after a week, there were more restrictions. I think the first thing that happened at the end of that week, so we'd had one week of normality, meeting people at the centre. Mm. And then that weekend, uh, we were told it's it's more or less illegal for anybody who is five or under or has a five or under child in their household to leave your house this weekend. So you're not allowed to leave the house. That was Friday night. And that basically continued for the next four, five weeks. There was there was this funny line that you had to walk. And that was, we're going out to Thailand. Uh, we're going out to help the Blacker family. But the prayer that we were was prayed over us was that we would be a good witness for Jesus, even when our language was so limited. I was having Thai lessons to, to help us to prepare for longer term, um, but really massively limited. But maybe something in how we could interact with our neighbours down our street, our soy, would share the, the love of Jesus with these mm. people. They would know that we were Christians because they knew it was OMF families that lived there. And yet after that Friday, when the curfew came in and you're not allowed to leave your house, once that was semi-lifted, although it was a bit ambiguous whether it was lifted or not, <laughs> the challenge was, as a white person and a Christian, am I being a good witness by trying to interact with my neighbours or am I being a good witness by not interacting with my neighbours? Yeah. Um, and that was a really tough time to try and think, okay, we're, we're here to, to help the family. I'm not really allowed to leave my house to go and do any homeschooling at his house or at the center. So we're trying to do stuff over Skype, video teaching. And video teaching, let's just put this out there, Chris. Video teaching with kids who can hear is one thing. Yeah. Uh, but when you've got a sign language user who simply just has to turn their head away from the screen and there is zero communication going between you, that's really hard work. Yeah, and how, how do you pull someone back? Yeah, if they're, they're distracted, you can't kind of say, exactly. look, look at you, the screen. You can't see. You wave at the screen. You wiggle the screen and you wait very patiently. Um, so that was tough. And that was tough for, for Banya as well. You know, I couldn't be present with him in the room for a lot of that time, just doing Zoom calls. So, yeah, so that was really tough, but also really tough that we weren't allowed to go out. We weren't really supposed to be interacting with people, which was the one thing that we thought, OK, maybe, you know, we can be a blessing by being a friendly neighbour. And the the difficulty of thinking, OK, are we being, doing right by ignoring separating off from these people is that how they're going to view that as being the kindest thing that we can do for them 
we just wanted to be really careful in and not to damage the witness of of OMF by doing something that was seen as being socially irresponsible. Um, but then also feeling a bit like, okay, so we're we're just sat in a house doing Zoom calls and we're in central Thailand, but we could be doing this in Yorkshire because it's it's that's as much interaction as we've got. So yeah, was a was a hard few weeks. I guess basically everyone listening has probably been through some of what you're describing and that strangeness of yeah what it, what is the right thing to do and how do we love our neighbors and trying to gauge how different people are feeling about what's going on and what do they need but what about people looking on and yeah how how are we above reproach whilst loving our neighbors and 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 that that kind of thing it was a it was a really complicated time but then throw into that all the complications that you've added on top of your job really needing to be to be present as as a teacher of banya but also not understanding the culture fully not understanding the language being being an outsider potentially yeah having this kind of well it's people traveling around the world that's that's making this problem worse yeah just so many added layers of complexity that that you had to deal with Mm. what kept you going in that time because it must have been easy just to think i just give up i think what was helpful was during all the planning process heather and i had many conversations and i guess god brought us some clarity in that we said we said we can't judge success on what we're about to embark on based on how much we're enjoying this because God, God, we feel like God's calling us to go. He's not calling us to enjoy ourselves. God, in his grace, lets us enjoy the things that he calls us to so often. But actually, we felt like we were being called to good works. Mm. It wasn't the ideal location for us. It wasn't the ideal work that we would dream of doing. This wasn't a long-held dream for us. So we felt, okay, even if we go and it's really hard, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have gone. Mm. Um and so we decided, or we thought that through and prayed that through before we even left. So when we were in the thick of it, and it was really hard, and you know we had aircon in our in our house, uh, which was an amazing blessing, but it was only in the two bedrooms, and you have a three-year-old and a, four, a two-year-old at that time, and a four-year-old who are in a in forty-five degree heat. It's the hot season. They're not allowed to go outside, so they're in their room. We didn't have any toys. We couldn't go out to buy any toys. Um, proper hard for the for the youngins for the for the small kids. Mm. Then we just had to hold on to the fact that okay, this is hard, but this is this is transition. This is where God has called us to. So we already decided that we were there for the long haul. But then that that changed over the the last two weeks of our time in Thailand. I think something that I I've, I've learned in my years as a Christian the importance of thinking through things before they happen, uh, particularly hard things. I think uh, it's one of the things that, you know, if I've, if I've gained any wisdom in my few years on this earth, it is that. And it's something that I say to people so frequently, like try and sort out your theology of X before it happens. You know, before you get married, make sure you understand what marriage is. If yeah. Before you're sick, make sure you think through um, your theology of, of sort of horrible illness. Or in this circumstance before you go to serve and before you find out that perhaps it's really difficult um think through pray through work through what that means so that when you get there and it sucks <laughs> and it's really tough you don't fall to bits but you go no i thought about this 
And I know and I recognize that sometimes serving God is, is going to be hard. It's not always going to be fun and easy. Sometimes it's going to be really difficult and might not know quite why things are unfolding as they are. So it's, it's really encouraging to hear you share similar things, Sam, and know we got through it because we have prepared ourselves spiritually and mentally for it to potentially go wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And you've alluded there to the fact that things then changed again. Yeah. So what, what happened next? You've gone into lockdown. I guess you're, you're finding that it's almost impossible to do any of the things you'd really gone there to do. So what happens next? The, the issue for us was um, visas, which is so often a hot topic when you're talking mm. to people involved in, in travel and, and missions. And we knew that our visa was coming to an end. So I think we had it through till May. And the the plan that we had in terms of renewing our visas was to do visa hops. So get out of the country, renew your visa application and come back in. And we we're going to do that for three cycles, I think, of a couple of months at a time. I think maybe three or four cycles because we couldn't get any other sort of visa to be in and doing the work that we were doing in Thailand. But at the same time, whilst we were thinking about that, um, the all the airlines were dropping their flights in and out of the country. Uh, Thai Airways had cancelled, they grounded all of their flights. So the national airline was completely stopped. Day by day, there were stories coming out from the embassy about um, people who had gone to Bangkok to, to leave Thailand to head back home and their flights were being cancelled whilst they were at the airport ready to board. Wow. And so there were... There were families who were now in Bangkok, filling up the hotels, not having a refund of their flights, running out of money and having to stay in places where you wouldn't want to stay with your family uh, in, in the center of Bangkok. And the, there wasn't much guidance coming out from the Thai government in terms of what they were going to do with these people who were inside the country, who were planning on being there longer to do these visa runs what was the process? Was it going to be a visa amnesty? Were they just going to let you extend your visas and mm -hmm. not force you to leave the country because that you can't leave and come back because the borders were closed in terms of entry? So um, we thought about, okay, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for the blackers? We talked to the leadership there and it was really hard and tears were shed, uh, but we decided, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to plan to leave if we can get the flight. If we book the flight and it gets cancelled, that's God shutting the door to go back to the UK. If we book the flight and the flight goes ahead, we'll head back to the UK. We'll have four weeks there, you know, because COVID, that's just going to last for another four weeks <laughs> or six weeks or eight weeks. And then we'll plan to come back. Uh, because at the moment, we can't do the work that we're there to do. The family are going through the middle of transition but there's no we can't really support them in the way that we would do normally because we're just locked in a, in a very warm house um <laughs> so we just thought okay that's what we'll do we'll book the flight we'll see if we can go out then we can come back with a fresh visa and we'll have three months at least by the time we come back mm. and so we got to the airport our flight did go out that day and it was the only flight that day that flew out of bangkok's main airport Wow. And we thought, okay, right. So we're, we're heading back to the UK. That's, that seems to be what's going on now. And we don't understand this. But this hasn't surprised God. A pandemic hasn't surprised him. The, the hard, to be honest, Chris, the hardest decision was internally between with us as a family. Mm. 
I was not wanting to go. I was not wanting to go home. I was thinking, okay, can I send Heather and the kids back and I stay here? But then what will happen if there isn't a visa amnesty? Because I'll technically be an illegal. I'll be staying illegally inside the country. So what does that look like? Had a chat with the Blackers. The Blackers knew that they were staying in Thailand full time. They were they were willing to ride out the storm to the May deadline. So me and Heather, many conversations, weighing up the needs of our kids, weighing up the needs of Banya. We're here to do a job, but we can't do the job. Um, and so, yeah, really hard decision to, to leave the country in the first place. And then landing back in the UK, that was the hardest transition of them all. The transition to Singapore, amazing. The transition through Singapore to Thailand, great. The transition back home to the UK, oof, really, really tough, really hard work. Was that reverse culture shock hard work or was it just kind of that realisation that all this stuff that you'd gone through this long process um, and that you really felt so convinced that we're going to go and we're going to be there for a year, we're going to do this thing. Was it that that had like the bottom had fallen out, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. Definitely the bottom had fallen out. And and we, we'd rented our house out for the year. So that was part of our contributions for, for supporting us whilst we were away. So we didn't have a home to go back to. So that was that was rented out until the end of the year when we were planning on coming back. We landed into two weeks of isolation. So, you know, the sort of support that you might have needed in the first two weeks. Mm. It was illegal at that time to leave the garden. So because we were from a foreign country, mm. you weren't allowed to go out. So for two weeks, we would, we were sat at my mum's house. My mum moved out of her house, lived with a relative so that we could have a house to stay in when we landed back in the UK. So mm. we were in somebody else's somebody else's house. It was cold. It was really cold <laughs> compared to where we'd come from. Yeah. And we didn't have any warm clothes. I didn't have any socks. That was one thing. I landed and I didn't have any socks because I didn't wear any socks when I was out there. I always had indoor shoes and outdoor shoes. Uh, so my uncle drove around and dropped me a, a carload of socks around so I could have warm <laughs> Um But yeah, the, the issue was, have we made the right decision? Yeah. Um, what about what about all the people that have supported us? How are they going to feel? How can I explain this to work? You know, you're giving me a year off, but I'm, I'm actually back in the country. All those sorts of things were swelling through my head, mm. along with when can I get back? And when I get back, am I bringing my family with me or am I just going on my own? That was the other thing that we were trying to work through. And I was, I was basically trying to work through that from day one because I was thinking, well, God probably doesn't want me to stay here. I don't know why we've ended up back home anyway but surely I'm going back. Mm. But you are back. Um, and I guess a, a long time has passed since sort of the mid part of, of 2020. Mm. Uh, we're now in, in, well, I mean, it's nearly Christmas 2021, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, what has happened since then? Yeah, so we, um, after, after those initial two weeks back in April 2020, so we were, we were in Thailand for six weeks. So um, Singapore for four weeks, Thailand for six weeks. After that, those initial two weeks, we moved up to my in-laws house. They were very kind in accommodating us. So we moved in with my in-laws, which was a blessing that I would never have, never have had and never would have planned, um, mm. but an absolutely massive blessing spending time with, with those, those guys and with the kids, with their grandparents. Throughout the rest of the summer, I carried on my Thai lessons. So I would get up early and have my language lessons with the tutors back in central Thailand. 
just I would my watch was on Thailand time <laughs> and it stayed like that from April through to September where I was thinking any day now I'm going to get the all clear that we can fly back to Thailand and that will be the point where I've got to decide who's going mm. uh, am I going or are we all going back that was hard work because I felt like I was a split person I was living in the UK with my family I w- my watch was on Thai time I was getting up early to do Thai language learning I was Skyping with Banya every day so um, we would talk every day over over WhatsApp video. But then in September, we got told, do you know what? This, the borders aren't opening anytime soon. And the visa that you would get, it's not going to be long enough for what you guys want to do. So it's just not going to be worth you returning. Because I, I, I only had time off until December of 2020. Mm. So by September, no view of us getting back into the country. That was kind of where we drew a line under our Thai adventure and said, okay, it's not what we thought. It's not what we planned. It's not what we thought God had planned. But this is this is the reality. This is this is where we're at. And so that was hard. But then from September onwards, I felt okay. I'm UK time. Get rid of get rid of Bangkok time from my phone. And that was really the transition of life back into the UK yeah. for us. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's what happened. Um, and really, I guess miraculously, in the middle of all that. The Blacker family, they were having real trouble with their visas. They were hoping to be out there on religious visas, which means they can have two years in the country, but it just wasn't happening. They were were being denied access to that visa because of all the COVID restrictions. And yet, amazingly, God had provided them with a, a job opportunity within their first year of being in Thailand, working for a Christian organization, the very same one that Luke and Alison had worked with previously when they first met Banya. Wow with OMF on an OMF camp compound, a place called Manorum. And those guys would be able to employ them and give them a working visa. So in the midst of us being back home, the Blacker family were no longer in the place where we were supposed to be with them, supporting them. They'd also moved on. So their their plan and their projected journey and path had, had diverted off what, what we thought it was going to be for them. And just hearing from them, you know, how all those things just fell into place just so perfectly. They moved in to their house in Manorum and an OMF family lived next door with a daughter who's deaf. And you just think, how on earth, for God, have you pulled this together? So when we heard we were hearing those sorts of news and prayer points coming from, from our friends, we felt, okay, God's got them exactly where he wants them to be, where he needs them to be. And uh, it's not in Lotbury, it's not with us there, but they're going to be fine. Um, God's God's got this all sorted. So uh, that was a big encouragement to us that even though we couldn't be there to support them like we'd planned and like we'd prayed and like we'd hoped we would, that they were still being supported by God and he was surrounding them with the right people at the right time in the right place. So we really rested in that in that fact. Yeah, and it's, it is encouraging to know, isn't it, that God, in His in His goodness, in His in His wisdom, He chooses to to use His people. Yeah, and it's great that we are involved in the work that He does, and that He wants to work and use human agency to do that. But at the same time, He's not limited. He's not limited by us. So you you did what He needed you to do, but now you're not there. How encouraging to see that He can still go on uh, doing what He uh, wants to happen, and and the Blackers are are supported and upheld by others and by Him. Mm. Sam, for for you and your family now, out the other side of this, 
no longer in Thailand, but I'm sure you've learned so much about the the bigger world of of mission and traveling to other countries, telling people who don't know about Jesus about him. As you said, wrestling through some of these things of crossing culture and, and being a witness uh, to the gospel. What happens now? And we continue to be a little bit restricted on, on how we travel around and what we do. So, so what, what's your current involvement? Have you carried on engaging uh, with OMF as an organization, uh, with mission as a, as, a, as a principle, crossing cultures, that kind of stuff? Yes, yes, definitely. So um, when we returned, we got involved with uh, the Surveyor group that's run in the North area, and uh, they were running a load of Bible studies on Zoom. So we were we were a part of those, and that was a real blessing, a real encouragement. That was uh, people thinking about doing short term missions out with OMF. So we were there just to be part of that group, and that was that was really encouraging and, and challenging as well. And during that time, we decided, okay, we've had this connection with OMF. Uh, we we loved all the support and the and the the thinking behind our OMF works. We love the people of OMF that we've been involved in, um, and so we became Bridge Asia volunteers. So we're we're currently volunteers with OMF with Bridge Asia, which is really helping to connect people who have got an interest in mission specifically with OMF, and just be able to to mentor them through the process, have have talks with them about things to consider in the future we might do things like run run bible studies to help prepare people for for time on on missions with omf and we've also been involved with starting up a prayer meeting for thailand so we have one of those every month which is great we we met so many people out in thailand and we realized whilst we were out there what a huge impact it made to know that people were praying for us Mm. um, in very practical ways so every time a, a a mission partner sends out a prayer letter if they hear back from someone it's so encouraging so massively encouraging so we we realize okay when we're back in the uk that's what we want to do for our friends who know that they're being prayed for but they to get a tangible message a text a whatsapp an email an update on what england looks like at a certain time of year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so encouraging for the long term long-term guys who are out in in various countries so we do that through our prayer meeting as well we link up with uh somebody out in thailand every other month and we we read through their prayer letters and we pray for them so that's been really encouraging and and more widely i guess in terms of our church so our church has has got connections with with missions around the world um but in preparation actually for going out to thailand we did a little short course with all nations and found it so eye-opening in terms of the challenge of uh, intercultural mission, the call of God uh, um, to witness uh, to people all over the world about the goodness of Jesus, the the need to make sure that when we're reading our Bibles and we're explaining the good news, the gospel, that we're doing it in a way which is culturally appropriate, that makes sense, that we avoid making blunders and mistakes, uh, because we've actually got a framework that we look at the world through. And that's as a, a white Westerner. I, when I read my Bible, I am looking for the the eternal truths of God, but I've got to make sure I've not got my white Westerner glasses on too strongly hmm. um, to be able to see uh, a different perspective. And so that's been really, really useful. What's been amazing, I guess I'd say this as well, Chris, is the idea that it's not it's not good enough when we're trying to witness to people about Jesus to convince our friends in England, in the UK, that there is a God. 
because in Thailand, that is not a problem for them. They believe in the spiritual realm. You walk down the street, our cycle to the 7-Eleven went past, went past an idol producing factory. Like that's a phrase, isn't it? That the heart is an idol producing factory, but we went past one every day. Um, there were spirit houses at the end of our street. There was the the staff who used to come in and do, you know, connect up our internet. They'd be wearing amulets and mm. bracelets for spiritual protection. Um, those people in Thailand, they don't need convic- convincing there's a spiritual realm. They need to know that it's Jesus who rules over all. Um, mm. And so I found that really challenging, even when we've been talking to our friends back in the UK, that it's um, it's the good news of Jesus. It's not the good news that there is a deity, it's the good news of Jesus himself. Um, so that's been a real encouragement and a, and a real challenge and has opened up lots of doors for me talking to a couple of Indian friends who have got a, one's a Hindu background, one's a Muslim background. Oh, it just opens up those ideas and those conversations in a way which I would never have thought of before. Great. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, really, really helpful. I mean, fantastic to hear uh, all the different ways that you're involved just in that personal level that are a, a relatively short time, 10 weeks and, and all the time leading up to it, but has now informed your day-to-day life as a follower of Jesus, thinking about how do we interact with the people that we meet. And also great to hear your involvement in, I guess, particular OMF things that people can can join in with. So we'll again, we'll put some links in the show notes, how people can find out a little bit more about what the, the Bridge Asia Volunteer Network is all about in OMF and also I believe your prayer group for Thailand is held online that's right yep zoom zoom and so we'll we'll put a link where people can find out about that one and others that OMF runs in the UK that people can be praying for all over the world because as you say what a great way to be involved in what what God is doing wherever you are even even a short amount of time can just have that huge impact and encouragement to people but also God again he works mysteriously through the prayers of his people and what a wonderful way that we can be involved in all that's going on. Well, Sam, it's been really wonderful to talk to you today. It's been great to, to hear more about your story and to just see the wonderful way that, that God has worked in you and through you. And so, yeah, I just want to say a big thanks for coming and sharing as part of the Unexpected series and how many twists and turns your story has had. It really has truly been an unexpected one. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Surveyor podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, or anything else you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Do follow us on Instagram, we're at Surveyor Podcast, and leave us a comment or send us a DM. Alternatively, you can get in touch by emailing podcast at omfmail.com. There's links to those two in the show notes along with other useful links from today's episode. If you found the podcast helpful and encouraging, please do share it with others. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.